Let's all stand, and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Brother Richard, go for some Amen. Uh, hymn number 260, He is able to deliver Turn back to hymn number 183. Hymn number 183.
Birthday today, Miss Patty. Bunch of stands. We can sing a happy birthday to you. Anybody else? Birthday today, anniversary today. All right, Brother Charlie, take this. She's 45, if you have to know. Well, she didn't argue when I said that, so I, you know, anyhow. Uh, we do have uh, Baptist Brit, uh, if you've been waiting on those. Uh, Brother Carl was actually down at the post office and asked him if they had them. And so this was like uh, November 1st or 2nd. And uh, they went looking around. They go, yeah, those have been here since the 18th of October. 
like morons. Anyway, uh, anyhow, we got them now. They're uh, out there in track rack. You want one, get it. And uh, you want more, get them and just use them. Be a great blessing. Got some great news. Great news. Big news. Big, 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 big news. We got carpet. Yep, yep. Oh, no, not yet. But we got it. It's here in town, and next Tuesday, it's supposed to be carpet day. So praise God for carpet day. That'll be a blessing. This has been a long, long, drawn-out ordeal. Uh, but hopefully by the new year, we'll be <laughs> all done with it. Um, but um, So we'll have carpet, and then we'll get pianos on Friday, Lord willing. Uh, so it'll be nice to get back. I know my wife will be glad to... Um, play piano again. There's just something about a piano, and uh, it'll be nice to have both those back and uh, so forth. And so uh, this Sunday afternoon, um, we're going to have to move some stuff around in here. We've got to move the organ. We've got to move all this stuff. We've got a, a room of music right here. We've got to move all it out and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, Sunday afternoon after um, Brother Kuhn speaks, if you can stick around and help us uh, move all that stuff, that would be great, and uh, it would be great to begin to get the auditorium uh, back together. Still got a little bit of uh, uh, finish work to do, but that's going to come along, and so so excited about getting this all taken care of, get that behind us, and uh, get moving forward for the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter 8. Teens, we'll see you later. Thanks for coming and being with us. I appreciate the young lady singing. Man, I tell you, just uh, one of the things I, I, I hear a lot of times uh, visiting with people, they go, wow, you, you've got your young people get in and sing, and uh, they contribute, and I think a lot of it has to do with our Wednesday night activities uh, with the Patch the Pirate program and uh, teaching them to sing when they're young, getting them in front of people when they're young. It's a real blessing. And, um, and so God has richly blessed us. We have a lot to be thankful for. Ezekiel chapter 8. This is our third lesson in the book of Ezekiel. We'll be looking uh, Ezekiel chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11. And of course, to do that, we're not going to be staying very long in any of them. But we do hope to plant some seeds that maybe will drive you to go back and to do some more study on the book of uh, on the book of Ezekiel uh, in these four chapters. I know be a real blessing to you. And so I'm going to begin reading in Ezekiel chapter eight and verse number one. Read down through verse number five, and then we'll pray and get into the lesson tonight. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month of the fifth day of the month. As I sat in my house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord fell there upon me. And I beheld, and lo, a likeness, as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward, fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of a hand, and took me by a lock of mine head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven, and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north. 
there was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now, and the way uh, toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way towards the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far from my sanctuary? But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then he said unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall, and when I digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your many blessings to us. Thank you for, our word, uh, for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding as we consider uh, what we find in these chapters here this evening. And Lord, uh, we realize that a, a, a complete study of this portion of scripture could take easily take months uh, to be able to dig out all that there is to dig out. I pray that you would help us to satisfy our spiritual appetites, to grow, uh, to have the just of your word, to know it, and then as you would lead in our lives to deepen that through deeper study. Thank you for our time together tonight and pray that you would use it for your honor and your glory in our lives and in our hearts we ask these things in your blessed name. Amen. And so uh, the first thing we see here is that Ezekiel sees the glory of God defiled in the city of Jerusalem. And so uh, here is Ezekiel. He's in the midst of some people there. And uh, he begins to have a vision. He begins to see a vision. And uh, here in Ezekiel uh, chapter 8, 1 through 10... Uh, and then again uh, in chapter 10, 5 through 17, and again in chapter 11, 1 through 25, uh, we see that uh, Ezekiel sees the glory of God defiled. Now, it doesn't take us long today. Uh, we can pick up newspaper or we can turn on TV. It doesn't take long for us to see our God defiled, right? Uh, I, it's just really sad to me. Uh, I can remember what it was like. I, I saw a meme the other day say, uh, you remember what it was like when the TV would go off at midnight and it would end with the Star Spangled Banner and all, all you would get would be uh, this symbol at the end? Uh, I can remember those days. And I can remember when they didn't allow cussing on TV. And boy, I'm telling you, you turn on TV now, it's like I got to turn that thing back off because I wouldn't allow some man come stand in my house and cuss at me. Why, why am I going to watch a TV set come in and cuss at me, you know? Um, and so we see this great defiling of God. And then we see all that's going on with the mess over with Israel and the uh, Palestine and uh, the Palestinians and their uproar against God. And it's easy to see how in the final days when uh, God will set up his rule and his kingdom, uh, how this world will turn against him. But in the midst of all that, we need to remain faithful to God. 
We need to stand with God. We need to continue to pray and draw close to him and seek that close relationship with him. And so uh, our first point, Ezekiel sees the glory of God defiled in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Number A under our letter A under that is the man. And chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, we see that Ezekiel is supernaturally transferred from Babylon to Jerusalem by a glowing figure from heaven who is probably the Messiah himself. I find it interesting that he grabs him by the lock of his hair and pulls him in between heaven and earth to observe uh, and to then to record for us this portion of Scripture. And he observes the mockery in chapter 8, 5 through 18, and again in chapter 11, 1 through 13, Ezekiel witnesses God's holiness mocked and blasphemed on four different occasions, and we're going to hit those just real quickly. Uh, So this mockery uh, mocks God's holiness, and he's blasphemed on four occasions. And this world today doesn't think anything of blaspheme our God. I um, saw a reel uh, just a couple of days ago uh, where this guy was stopping people on the street and he was asking them, would you rather have eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven or would you rather have a billion dollars? And the sad thing is the majority of people would rather have a billion dollars because they're living short-sighted, right? It's all about now and now. It's all about what they can have now and now. And uh, we know that this is just kind of the starting point, right? Uh, I just want to endure this to get to where I'm really going. I'm just, I'm just, you know, ground zero here. I'm learning to walk with God and trying to learn as much as I can about heaven. But I'm not putting deep roots down here because I'm not planning to stay here long. And um, I'm looking to move on to that better country. And uh, so we see... Uh, these four different occasions here. The first one is the perversions. The perversions. Verses 5 through 18, chapter 8. The people are worshiping a large idol north of the altar gate in the temple entrance. Verses 5 and 6. The people have made God so angry that he's going to leave the temple. And um, the 70 Jewish elders are burning incense to devilish images inside the temple. Verses 7 through 12. And the people think that the Lord doesn't see them. That one always gets me when people think, I can get away with sin because God doesn't see me. Just because you can't see God doesn't mean he doesn't see you. Some Jewish women are weeping for the false god, Tamza, uh, in verses 13 through 15. And then 25 men are worshiping the sun in verses 16 through 18. Uh, the people of Judah are leading a whole nation into violence. And so that's our first one. The perversions of the people and the perversions that's being uh, given forth to the nation around them. The second thing we see is the promoters. The promoters. In uh, chapter 11, 1 through 13, God holds 25 of Judah's most prominent leaders responsible for the people's sins. The most important of these is Pelnei, and his son struck dead before the horrified eyes of Ezekiel. Uh, and so uh, he was one of the promoters, promoting uh, that which is uh, evil and wicked uh, in the sight of God. So there were the perversions and the promoters. And so we see uh, not only uh, these, uh, this mockery and not only the man uh, here in chapter 8, but then we see 
of the marking. In chapter 9, 1 through 11, we see that God orders six men, possibly angels, to put a mark on the foreheads of the godly individuals in Jerusalem. And another group of men is then instructed to kill all those with unmarked foreheads, beginning with the 70 Jewish elders. Uh, And so uh, these angels, if you would, move about to mark the foreheads of the godly individuals. uh, And then those that were not marked, their lives were taken from them. Uh, The next thing we see is the magnificent ones. Chapter 10, 1 through 3, and again in verses 5 through 17 of chapter 10, uh, the four cherubim. Now you remember in chapter 1, we talked about the cherubim, we talked about the wheels with eyes, we talked about a wheel inside of a wheel, uh, we talked about this uh, big platform, and it was a throne, and God sat on the throne. And so uh, it reappears here. Uh, This is entitled The Magnificent Ones in chapter 10, 1 through 3 and 5 through 17. The four cherubim of Ezekiel described in chapter 1 suddenly reappear and begin their ministry before God. And uh, they're ministering there in the presence of uh, God and in his presence. uh, The next thing we see is the message, uh, chapter 11, 14 through 22 and again 24 through 25. God gives Ezekiel a note of encouragement to the Babylonian exiles, assuring them that they will someday be regathered, returned, and regenerated. I can't help but think of the day that God calls the Jewish people back home. He establishes his millennial reign. It's going to be an exciting time. And of course, we know Ezekiel's leading to a description of the millennial reign of Christ, which we're going to see here in the upcoming weeks and uh, this preparation is that uh, the angels begin to do their work uh, across the world uh, to draw the remnant of God home and uh, then so that the world can see uh, the message uh, that they can begin to uh, come home and begin to regather and return and regenerate and serve God as they're supposed to. And so it leads us to our second point. Remembering our first point was Ezekiel sees the God of glory defiled in the city of Jerusalem. And our second point tonight is Ezekiel sees the glory of God departed from the city of Jerusalem. What a sad thing. Ezekiel sees the glory of God departed from the city of Jerusalem. I think one of the saddest things to me that I see nowadays is the glory of God being departed from churches. You know, churches that used to uh, be strong for the Lord and used to be going forward for God, and then you see that they've become, if you would, a shell of what they used to be. Or maybe they, they don't even, they're not even a shell of what they used to be. Maybe uh, they've been sold and it's a restaurant, or maybe uh, it's, it's gone the way of the world, you know, become a bar or something. Um, But Ezekiel sees the glory of God, and it's departed from the city of Jerusalem. And I think about the nation of Israel tonight, and I think about how God is defending his his, uh, people there and going to do his work again. Uh, And so we have a hope, and that hope is that one day God will reestablish himself uh, for the millennial reign. Of course, we know the outcome of that millennial reign, but it'll give an opportunity for people to 
uh, put away all of their reasons not to uh, worship God or not to get saved. You know, I've heard people say, well, if I could only meet him, if I could just talk to him, if I could just touch him, oh, when he rules and reigns, they can do all those things. And yet we know that when, and without Satan, by the way, because he's bound in the bottomless pit during this time, but we do know that Satan will be loosed at the end of that thousand-year reign for a season. However long that is, we don't really know. But we do know that he'll be loosed and will lead a rebellion against God in the final battle of Armageddon, and then we step into all of eternity. And so uh, he sees, Ezekiel sees the glory of God departed. Uh, the first thing for us to note, uh, letter A, would be he's departed from the Holy of Holies to the entrance of the temple. The temple courtyard glows with the cloud of God's glory. Now, God always sat in the Holy of Holies. There was the Ark of the Covenant, and he would, uh, his, his presence would be uh, in between uh, the two angels on that Holy of Holies. Uh, and yet, that's not what Ezekiel sees. Ezekiel sees the temple courtyard glowing with the cloud of God's glory. He's moved from the Holy of Holies. And um, it's moved then from the, and that's in uh, verse number 4, chapter 10. And then in chapter 10, verses 18 through 22, we see that that uh, is moved from the entrance of the temple to the east gate. And the glory of God hovers above the cherubim there at the east gate. And then finally, from the east gate to the Mount of Olives, chapter 11 and verse number 23, we see the glory of God departs from Jerusalem. And so he moves from the Holy of Holies to the courtyard, from the courtyard towards the gate, and finally out that gate, headed to the Mount of Olives. And so, uh, interesting study. Uh, again, I just brushed the top. Uh, we would have been easily a month and a half if we would have gone in depth, uh, maybe longer than that. Uh, and if you want, if you can only study just a little of it, I, I'm just hung up on chapter 10, uh, like verse number eight. Uh, the wheels and all that's happening there has had my attention from the first chapter. So hopefully you can find that uh, beneficial and a blessing, be able to study that out and find it to be a blessing to you. Lord, we love you tonight, and thank you so much for the truth of your word. I pray that in the days uh, ahead that we would take our time, that we'd study and think upon uh, these things that we find written in your word. Lord, uh, we realize that surely we're living in those last days, those uh, final days before uh, the tribulation, before the millennial reign of Christ. I pray that you'd give us insight and understanding, and most of all, Lord, that you'd give us an urgency an urgency to share the good news of Jesus Christ with this lost and dying world in which we live. And we might spend the time to point others to you that they might be saved before it's eternally too late. Lord, I pray that your glory would never depart from this church here at Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. Lord, that we would be people who love you and desire to walk with you and serve you and that uh, you would shine bright upon this hilltop for your glory. Thank you for this time together tonight. We ask these things in your blessed name. Amen. I'm going to have Brother James come uh, with our prayer request. I would mention uh, deacons, trustees. We have a meeting following uh, the service here this evening. Thank you, Brother.